Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. I have gone through more men's pockets than days you've been alive. There isn't another key here. You, acolyte, insult me, tell me my angels are plotting against me, and then you don't have what I want. Ah! Oh, God. No. No. My arms. You tore off my arms. Lilith, stop! You're tearing him in half! Well, Lilith, I bet you didn't expect to be sent to the eternal death today, did you? The day is young, Sordeo. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you in eternal damnation. Oh! Step inside the circle, Sordeo. Bring your whip. We'll have a party. Defiant until the end. Did you really think you could kill my acolyte and not suffer a punishment? He was what? Your third acolyte? You were just going to break him soon anyway. I did him a favor. You tore him apart. Hmm. Yes, I did. It felt good. What? Are you expecting me to prostrate myself to you? Beg for forgiveness? Kiss your... ring? The world is a better place because I killed the little sadist. Which is odd coming from me. Do you hear that, Lilith? That is the sound of your eternal fate approaching. Such a big man. Will you swing the axe? Or is that the job for your new acolyte? You, Dr. Strega, should remain silent or you will get the taser again. What Lilith did to the acolyte will look like a finger painting compared to what I'm going to do to you. Enough! I am fed up with both of you. Given the opportunity, I would cut off both your heads and use them as a soup base. But I need you, Strega, and Harry Strange. Lilith, you're incidental. I'm never incidental, Sordeo. It would do you well to remember that. Executioner, approach the prisoner, but do not enter the circle. Lilith, I condemn you to the eternal death for the murder of the Acolyte. You will be executed according to the tenets of the Catholic rites of exorcism and the cleaning procedures of the Order of the Dagger and the Cross. The rites of the Catholic Church? You're a joke, Sordeo. The Order is made up of miscreants and abominations. I'd renounce the entire religion if I were still practicing. Another word from you, Strega, and I'll sew your lips shut again. Lilith, your executioner's axe is coated with holy oil and salt. We will take your remains and burn them at the next mass celebrated by the Pope. I will personally scatter your ashes an unhallowed and salted ground. Don't I get a last request? An appeal? Death penalty protesters? This isn't Judge Judy. I am the final authority. You and the Axeman must step inside the circle if you plan to cut anything off of me. Which one of you will be first? You are so clever, Lilith. But so am I. <laughs> this blowtorch is filled with holy oil. You will turn around and put your hands against the back wall. 
And if I don't... <laughs> then I will burn off a part of you at a time. Now get against the wall, Lilith. This is not over, Sir Deo. Even if I am beheaded, I will find a way to come back. Legions of my angels will hunt you down and peck off your flesh. Final bravado. I would have expected nothing less from you, Lilith. My executioner will enter the circle now. If you move an ass cheek without my permission, I will put the torch on full. Executioner. No! You can't do this! I am going to savor this moment. Goodbye, Lilith. Magic and magical people, the unnatural order is all around us. There are white witches, black witches, demons, vamps, werewolves, shapeshifters, ghosts. It's a protoplasmic party of creature features out there. But unless you know where to look, you won't find them. I know where to look. My name is Harry Strange. I know you'd like to think you were a worthy opponent, Lilith. But you weren't. My acolyte was more challenging than you were. Frankly, I am surprised that you survived this long. Though in looking at you, I suppose you do offer certain charm. I'm going to kill you slowly, Sordeo. Ready the axe, executioner. A word, Brother Sordeo. Oh my, is this... Lilith, first woman of the Bible. And you are? I am Bishop Ethan, Archbishop of the United Kingdom. Hmm, aren't you a big one? Tell me, Bishop, what do you wear under those robes? I am... Ethan! What do you want? We're a little busy. There was a special meeting of the Council of Thirteen. How could there be a special meeting without me? Uh, perhaps we should discuss this outside. Oh, please stay. It's just starting to get interesting. Is there some dissension in the ranks? In the hallway, then. Executioner, step out of the circle. Talk to me, Ethan. Who called this meeting of the Council? It doesn't matter. What does matter is that we voted to keep Lilith alive until after the sacrifice. What? This is my council. You can't. And that's the problem, Sordio. It's not your council. The members and I agree that you are getting sloppy. How many of our men did the demon kill at the hotel? Seven? Eight? Clearly that was a trap set around your desire to have Strange. Men dead and Strange is still missing. The one in there killed your acolyte. You're getting sloppy. We just think it's better to have some insurance against any... Let's call them unforeseen events. We wouldn't want Gog and Magog turning on us before we can fully execute the plan. The council was unanimous in this decision. I see. I will, of course, abide by the decision of the council. But Ethan... If another council meeting is ever called in my absence, you should be very careful that certain information about you doesn't fall into the hands of the Order's cleaners. Is that a threat? Yes, and one that a wise man would heed. Why are you going back in their cell, Sordio? You wouldn't have me leave the executioner in there alone very long, would you? And I will have some retribution for my dear, sweet acolyte. As long as Lilith and the other ones still live... 
Feel free to take your pound of flesh. Oh, at least a pound, Ethan. At the very least. Sordeo, no! Oh! I will feast on your entrails! I sat inside a rental car across the street from the home of the Order of the Dagger and the Cross. The lightning lit the ancient gargoyles lining the top of the building, casting shadows of elongated demons on the plaza. Puddles of rain pooled like blood in front of the building. I had worked for the Order once, took my preliminary vows and got the tattoo. The same tattoo Sister Angela asked about. She liked my ink, as I recall, but I couldn't tell her what it meant. I could now. It was a stone cross with a dagger at its center, red lines radiating out from the T of the cross. The stone cross represented the solid base of the church. Stone may crack, but like the church, it could never crumble. The red was the blood we'd be willing to shed for the order, the church, and the pope, in that order. And the dagger? We would kill to preserve the order, the church, and the pope. A Jesuit monk founded the order in the 1500s to protect the faithful from unnaturals. These were the guys who hunted werewolves almost to extinction. The order had the largest library on unnaturals and a lab of experts developing weapons against them. They were the special forces of the Catholic Church. The order lived up to their reputation as the muscle, the crusades, the inquisition, the disappearance of rogue priests and other threats to the sanctity of the church, It was all the order of the dagger and the cross. If half of what Dan Brown wrote were true, well, no one would know the name Dan Brown. If someone in the order had gone bad, this would be a tough fix. There were only a couple of groups in the church more powerful. The Office of the Vatican and the College of Cardinals and one or two others. From what Sister Judith said, the Vatican and the College of Cardinals were part of this council of 13. But you know... I wasn't too concerned about the Order and their internal politics. Today, these guys could roast each other over an open flame and I wouldn't piss on them to put them out. There was only one reason I was here. They had Carmen. They were torturing her to get to me. Well, mission accomplished, boys. The butcher's bill is due and I'm here to collect. A hooded figure stood by my car's window. He handed me a package. It was barely in the car when he turned to walk away. I thought about offering him a ride, but these Swiss guard guys aren't much on small talk. The only reason Feldwebel Nide spoke with me was a shared friend we both lost during the Varg Wars in Sweden. I turned the package over in my hand. The seal of the sergeant major was waxed on the back. I dropped the contents into my lap. Two keys and a note stood out. One key looked like a standard door key. The other was ornate and ancient, the kind used on dungeon doors. The note was in Swiss, a language I was no longer familiar with. Nide had signed it and then, as a P.S., wrote in English, All debts are paid tonight. Do not call on me again. So be it, brother. If this doesn't work, there wouldn't be many tonights left. Why is Lilith still alive? Are these hairless apes so scared they can't kill her? After I annihilated their recovery team, why wouldn't they just kill her out of revenge? How many of them must I sacrifice? I sense it too, Lace. Our Domina still lives. She is no longer our Domina. It is just you and I. Leather and Lace. 
Not while Lilith still lives. I've had it. I will kill her myself. No, my love, it's too dangerous. You cannot go to the Order. They will kill a dark angel on sight. No, Leather. No man thinks of killing me when he sees me. Not right away, anyway. What about... Strange? I'm sure your little puppy would kill Lilith for Fiona. Leather, my beautiful one. Don't be like that. Harry Strange was just a tool. He meant nothing to me. What you and I have is different. Well... Getting Strange to kill her is a good plan. But he is cloaked from us, so we can't find him. Anyway, if I asked him to kill Lilith, it would arouse his suspicion. He already doesn't trust me. No, this is something I must do. Then I'm going with you. To the headquarters of the robes? I, I don't think... It's not up for discussion, Lace. I've already worked out a plan. I will watch the outside of their headquarters. Anyone who comes out of there who isn't you gets a razor head through the eyeball. You must stay out of sight. They use holy oil, salt, and regular holy water. Any direct hits of holy water will scar your pretty face. Holy oil contact will burn your precious and tasty body. And holy oil and salt... What about you? You're going in. What protections will you have? Same as always. My tail. Smell that? That's Harry's scent. He's been here. Over there. That must be Harry's rental. That means he's already in the building. I'm sure he's here to rescue his friend. What if he sees you? Then I'm just Fiona. Here to stop the apocalypse. Should I shoot him if he gets out? No. Let him and this Carmen go. I have no further need for him right now. Protect their escape. You care about him, don't you? Not the way I care about you. Harry may still be useful to us in the future. You mean to Fiona? I mean to both of us. Mm. You will always be first to me. It's time. Keep a close watch. Many things will change tonight. Be safe, my love. The hallway inside the Order of the Dagger and the Cross was long and cavernous. I stayed close to the wall. There would be guards making their rounds about every nine minutes. Unless things had changed in the sixty or so years since I had been a votary to the Order. Barring any major reconstruction, I knew my way around the building as if the blueprints were part of my DNA. There'd be an elevator at the end of this hallway. I would take it down seven levels. On that floor, there would be a staircase. Eight flights down would take me to the dungeon level. From there, I have to figure out the maze. Hey, you! I checked my watch. It was nine minutes past the hour. Roberto, is that you? Brother Strange, what do you do? It was Roberto. I didn't have time to play catch-up with the good brother, and I needed his robe. I left Roberto bound and gagged in the janitor's closet. His robe was a pretty good fit. I hated leaving the Italian boots Fiona had given me, but the leather sole boots I wore now were much quieter. Finally, I took Roberto's side sword. If there was going to be killing, and I was sure I'd be killing someone tonight, I'd rather do it silently instead of shooting up the place with my Glock. Unlike the traditional brothers, I kept my street clothes on under the robes. I pulled the hood over my head and continued down the hallway. I was only about ten feet from the elevator when the men's room door opened. My hand tightened on my dagger of Yago. Oh, brother God, you startled me. Sorry, Bishop. No worries at all. 
I'm just going to get a few things out of my office, and then I'll be heading back to my room. Have a good night. He was lying, but I didn't care. You the same, sir. I walked to the elevator and pressed the button. The bishop watched me as the elevator door closed. I momentarily thought about going back and putting him in the janitorial closet with Roberto. If I opened the door now, it would become a foot race. I pressed the sub-basement button. When the elevator didn't respond right away, I figured the bishop had made me as an intruder. What are you doing in here, young lady? Oh, I was looking for information on Lilith. What would you want with her? She is a very dangerous demon. Oh, I can be dangerous too. Surely not. You do not have that look about you. Do you like my look? Is it pretty and pert? I am a man of the clergy, my dear. The operative word being man. Mm. Tell me where Lilith is. She is here, in this building. Why do you need her? I want her, but I need you. Tell me, Brother Sordeo. Where is she? Give me Lilith, and I'll be oh so grateful. Right here in your office. I'm um, certain that you are a very giving girl. <laughs> oh, I can give whatever you have in mind. For as long as you can handle it. I'll handle whatever you care to give. Then tell me where Lilith is, and I can get to giving. Below, in the dungeon. Now. Whoa, easy there. What was that? Don't try to pull away, lover. It's like your hand is touching my heart, but it's just resting on my chest. Stop. What's the rush, Bishop Ethan? You were so anxious to get busy a few moments ago when I thought you were Brother Sordeo. I, I never said I was Sordeo. That was a misunderstanding. Oh, I understand. I understand you were ready to let me think you were Sordeo if you thought it might get you near my pertinence. I, I, I... Shh! When your lips move, it makes me angry. And right now, Ethan, with my hand so close to your heart, you don't want me to get angry. You're a demon. <laughs> Please. Demon is so dark ages. We prefer dark angels. No. Back demon. Toribus ordinantis. Pontifex reassumptor. Oh, hell no. You will not exercise me. Give me that tongue. <laughs> look what I did. How am I going to get any information from you if your tongue is in my hand? Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm going to need your head and your hand. I wandered around the lower level for about 15 minutes before I found the correct hallway leading to the dungeon holding Carmen. There was only one dungeon down here and only one door into it. The architects of the building decided that a complex maze would slow any prisoners who managed to escape the dungeon. And, for the most part, it worked. I was able to get through as fast as I did because all the brothers and monks assigned to this building were required to learn the pattern. There, at the end of the hallway, was the door. Behind that door was Carmen. 
How strange that there wasn't anyone guarding the door. I listened. I scratched my chin. The light was poor, mostly kerosene torches hanging on the wall every ten feet or so. This part of the hall was carved out of the foundation's stone, so sound down here would echo for a while. Yet I heard nothing that would indicate there was anyone else but me down here. No light escaped from under the dungeon door. Everything seemed too easy. Then I saw it. A tiny red glow in the upper corner of the wall. I took out my LED flashlight and aimed it in the general direction of the glow. Damn it. CCT cameras. Someone probably already knew I was here. I was too close to turn back now. I started to unsheath the sword I took from Roberto and thought, screw it. It's not like stealth was on my side now. Locked and loaded for bear. These shells were a special blend, manufactured for me by some other former members of the Order. They had a wooden core, wrapped in silver and encased in lead. I was ready for just about anything but a direct demon attack. For them, I'd use my dagger of Yago. Demons or other unnaturals were not my first concern today. It was the naturals who caused this mess. They could blame things on demons, poltergeists, or the crazy voices, but naturals, humans, were almost always the cause of their suffering. I didn't buy the devil-made-me-do-it excuses. The devil, the morning star and his minions, could hand you the gun and point it in the correct direction. Hell, they could even cock the hammer back for you. But, ultimately, it was your decision to pull the trigger or drop the gun. I stood in front of the dungeon door. It was made of cement and set into the wall on cast iron hinges. I took out the key Feldweebel Nide gave me. I stepped into the room, gun drawn. Hello, Mr. Strange. We've been waiting for you. It was Brother Sordeo. I recognized him from the DVD Sister Judith gave me. He stood a couple of inches taller than me and was holding Carmen in front of him, a cattle prod to her face. Carmen looked as if she had gone 15 rounds of a title fight. Her clothes were ragged. The welts of a whip covered her body. Her face was bruised and cut. Her nose was puffed up two or three sizes larger than life and her left eye was swollen shut. My next move was out of instinct more than anything. Brother Cavalier, Strange shot me. I turned in time to get a nightstick to my noodle. No! I'm going to enjoy watching the old gods eat you, Mr. Strange. Take him to the interrogation room. Well, Carmen, as rescues go, I'd say that one was underwhelming. He'll be back. Harry has a plan. I know he does. <laughs> Hope springs eternal in the desperate and the foolish. I opened my eyes a short time later. How long was I out? Long enough for someone to tend to Sordeo's shoulder wound and put his arm in a sling. I was in the interrogation room where Sordeo had tortured Carmen on the DVD. My hands were tied behind me. I was still wearing Brother Roberto's robe, but I was fairly certain my sword, dagger, and gun were gone. You have been quite a nuisance to me, Harry Strange. Should I feel bad about that? You might want to feel bad for everything you put your friend through. I doubt some of the physical damage will ever heal. And the psychological damage? Well, no telling how deep that runs. I did nothing to Carmen. That was you and your altar boy. If you had come when I first summoned you, Dr. Strager would not be the broken woman she is now. You know this ends poorly for you, right? But I'm willing to give you an opportunity to do the right thing. 
Are you going to let me walk away? Absolve me of my sins? Oh no, you're not walking away from this. But you could live. Maybe find that absolution while you sit in prison. Just call this off. Stop the bombers. And if I don't? Then I kill you. I know about your plan. World War Three, Really? How James Bond villainy of you. The whole Gog and Magog thing? Nice twist. Not sure how that ties in with Catholicism, though. I mean, if this plan is your great revival, how does kissing the ass of the Elder Gods tie in? I wouldn't expect you to understand. Enlighten me. Which part of I wouldn't expect you to understand did you not understand? The ecclesiastical implications of my plan would take years to explain. It would be like explaining string theory to a chimpanzee. But that's your plan. Start a nuclear war in the Middle East in order to destroy the seal imprisoning two elder gods. Knowing they will consume millions of innocents, right? You forgot the most important part. You and Carmen Strega are the first two sacrifices. Okay, I get why you'd want to sacrifice me, champion of an angel. Incredibly good-looking. You're jealous. But why Carmen? Do you really want to know? Well, I did ask the question. I promise you, you're not going to like the answer. Indulge me, as a condemned man's last request. I am sacrificing her because of you. The texts are very specific that one of the sacrifices has to be a favorite of the children of the Most High. The other need only be a non-virgin pagan. I could have my pick of non-virgin pagans from any vampire fangirl convention in the world. But I chose Dr. Strega because she is your closest ally. You would do anything to save her, include walk into the one place where we were waiting for you. I knew you would come for her eventually. And here you are. And here I am. You know, Strange, I've watched you for years, read about your exploits, and I am curious. How did you survive as long as you did? You're not terribly bright. You're impulsive and reactionary. I don't get it. Well, I was touched by an angel. <laughs> I hope you don't think your angel is going to save you. I've ordered the acolytes to go outside the building and put up a circle of protection. Nothing enchanted, good or evil, is getting in or out of here. What do you say to that? <laughs> Oh, strange. I've got Strega and very soon the Elder Gods. The world will bow to the power I possess. And it will be all because of your sacrifice. Thank you, Mr. Strange. Harry Strange, Episode 215, The Butcher's Bill, was written and directed by Tony Serechia. All material is copyrighted by Tony Serechia and used with his permission. Featured in tonight's cast were Dennis Coburn, Parissa Johnston, Sylvia Galan, Jamie Penn, Kellen Stennett, Julie Ivey, Emily Jane, and Brian Troxell. To keep up with the latest news and information on everyone's favorite private investigator, visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash harrystrangeradio. Send your questions, comments, and suggestions to producer at harrystrange.com. For comments that may be included on future shows, call the listener hotline at 678-379-8669. That's 678 
Tony. Harry's opening theme music was written and performed by Lance Hogan and is copyrighted by Lance Hogan and used with his permission. Incidental music and character themes were written and performed by Ryan Lassard and are copyrighted by Ryan Lassard and used with his permission. Contact Ryan at rlassardmusic at gmail.com. Incidental music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod and is copyrighted by Kevin McLeod and used with his permission. Visit incompetech.com for more of Kevin's music. Our marketing and PR director is Vanessa Schill. Email Vanessa at producer at harrystrange.com. For the Harry Strange radio drama, I am Joanne Pruden. Good night. Dramadarians. Friends, why are you smoking anything other than dromedary cigarettes? That's D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y. D for delicious Virginia tobacco. R for relaxing. O for outstanding value. M for more smokers love them. E for e-eucalyptus. D for delicious Virginia tobacco. Again, a for American Medical Association. R for, um, relaxing again, I guess. And Y for why smoke anything else. So remember, friends, the American Medical Association says that dromedary cigarettes are the healthiest cigarettes they've ever tested. In the pack or in the carton, dromedary cigarettes should be your new cigarette choice. Dromedary cigarettes. The smoke with only one hump. Take it away, dromedarians! We're endorsed by the AMA. If you're gonna smoke, smoke the one hump way. Smoking for your health so you don't die. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R Why? The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.